Welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast, hosted by me, Diane Brennan and Kristen Lajeunesse, two people engaging in dialogue around death and dying and the psychology of loss and grief. Join us in becoming more curious and less afraid of these sometimes scary topics. Welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast. You're here today with Diane and Kristen. Hello. And today we are going to talk about accepting our losses. And what we mean by that is like, so what does acceptance look like? What is it? How do we know we're there? Um, And, you know, what kind of pressure do we put on ourselves to get to this place of acceptance and finding peace with our losses. And we're just going to explore that, that topic a bit today and talk about the desire that most people have to find a way to accept the loss that's happened. Um, But also talk a little bit about why they can be challenging and, and difficult. And I think that sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get to a place of acceptance or even um, forgiveness of something that either has happened or a loss that's occurred in our lives. And so let's kind of dive into that and start to talk about, you know, what it means to kind of find acceptance of our losses. So Kristen, I'm, I'm just curious if, if I ask you that question, like, what does it mean to accept a loss? Like, how would you, how would you respond? Like what comes to mind for you? When I think about accepting a loss for on a personal note, I suppose it comes down to finding the word peace is coming to mind, finding Mm -hmm. peace. And regardless, I guess, of the type of loss, whether we're talking about someone that you care about dying or losing a job, and there are a myriad of losses, of course, that we can all experience. But I think at the core of it, it may be finding peace and, um, and moving, not, not even moving through the pain, but being able to understand that, okay, this thing has happened. I'm observing how it's impacting how I feel today and what, how it may impact the future of my, my life or the plans I've had for myself and, and, or the other people, um, that were, you know, a part of that journey, um, and being able to continue on and choose to move forward beyond the loss. Um, yeah, I think that's the immediate thing, finding peace and choosing to move forward. Yeah, I I hear you with um, finding peace. And and I, you know, when I think of acceptance of a loss, and I think about my own losses, I, I do think there is something about peace that is a good descriptor of, like, for me, I think it's that feeling or that sense of kind of calmness around what happened. So meaning that my emotions are Mm. not all over the map or I'm uh, racked with guilt over something or regret, or I'm emotionally triggered a lot. Like I, I, I feel like lots of times when we think about acceptance, we think about it 
you know, in terms of this like calm, peaceful kind of place or feeling that we get to. Like that's that's how I always thought about it. Like I, it would be like um, just like I just picture if I close my eyes, I just picture like this calm lake with a boat like gently floating on it. Like that's the visual for me. Peaceful. Yeah. And, you know, it's also making me think, you know, you can still. I think there are ways to to make your way to peace and but you're you may still be sad or hurt or need healing like you can right I'm sure there's a place of peace but you still require more support or resources to continue pushing through the aftermath of whatever the loss was and as you know tied to that too is really this idea of it's all subjective too, right? Like your version mm-hmm. of peace or my version of peace may look very different from one another. But if, if our individual versions help us push forward or continue on or move toward acceptance, right? I think that's what counts is there's maybe no one formula for finding peace, but certainly whatever <laughs> works for you. Yeah. It's so, it, it's so interesting. Cause I, it made me think about like, one of the earlier groups that bereavement support groups that I participated in probably early on in my training, I remember one of the group members saying, I'm never going to accept that this happened. I'm never, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm never going to, I don't want to accept that this person had to die and that's always stuck with me, um, you know, the difficulty of acceptance and not wanting to accept that this had to happen or that this did happen and really struggling with that as part of, of your grief and, and struggling with just getting through that initial component of grief and being able to say, I acknowledge that this happened, you know, Mm -hmm. similar to what you were saying earlier, when you think, when we think about acceptance, like, what is it? And it's about accepting kind of the reality Mm -hmm. of the loss and what happened. And it makes me think about a model of grief that I frequently talk with my clients about. It's called um, Worden's Four Tasks of Mourning. And and it was a model of grief that was uh, researched by a gentleman, William Worden. And he, you know, he talks about grief in this way that there's four tasks of mourning that we have to go through in order to Uh, I would say like kind of complete our mourning process or our grieving process, so to say. And um, he outlines these four tasks. And it's so, it's so interesting to me that when you were speaking earlier, I was like, oh, you're, oh, you almost described his model. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Get ready. (laughs) Um, The first task that he puts out there is that it the first task is simply to accept the reality of the loss and what he means by that is that it literally is about kind of acknowledging that 
this happened and, you know, using acceptance in that way of saying, I accept the reality of this. I may not like it. I may not be happy about it, but I accept, you know, the reality of the loss. The second task is that it's, it's, it's about processing and working through the pain of grief. And we need as humans to, you know, be able to kind of process our thoughts, feelings, and emotions around the pain of grief and what we're feeling. The third task is that we have to find ways to adjust to a world without the deceased. So Mm -hmm. that means right in our day-to-day life, how do we adjust? If I uh, depended on someone every day of my life for companionship, for helping me do certain things, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it might be, there's an adjustment there that, that needs to happen. So it's adjusting to a world without the deceased. The way I would kind of translate that if we were talking about non-death losses is that kind of earlier you mentioned like maybe the loss of a job. Mm -hmm. I would say it's still about adjusting to the world without like that job and Mm -hmm. those people in it, right? It it applies just in a, a slightly different way. The fourth task is that we have to find a way to remember the deceased while embarking on the rest of our journey through life, right? So it's similar to what you were saying earlier, which is we find a way to move forward. And there is this part here that Worden's talking about that's really important. And and we hear people talk about it a lot is that we have to find a way to integrate the loss or to carry the person with us. And sometimes people will say like, I hold them in my heart or I know that they're always with me. Um, Whatever that might be, it's that we find ways to remember the people who have died while we are continuing in, in our own life. And I've certainly worked really hard myself on that with the losses of my brother and my dad, which is how do I, how do I keep them kind of in the forefront of my mind as my life has changed over time? And um, how do you have those kind of touch points? But the model that Worden put together in these four tasks, they're meant to be nonlinear. You can go back and forth between mm. them, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you go, oh, I complete task one. Okay, now I'm on to task two. See, right? that's it- how I would approach it because I'm a little too type A. Like even in my notes as you're talking, I wrote, I circled the primary words, except process, adjust, remember. I'm like, okay, these are the steps. I will check them off as I go. You are like the perfectionist griever, right? Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Is right? that a thing? Yes, oh. it is. Like I, I've worked with people where it's like, they want to get it right. Mm. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get this right. And that I'm, you know, appropriately grieving the person and this loss and all of that. So yes, (laughs) but it is, it's not meant to be linear. And I think that's the one thing that we have to remember is we go back and forth between these different tasks in Worden's research and everything that I've ever read. My recollection is that what he's saying is, yes, you have to 
kind of go through all of these tasks to get to an endpoint in your morning process. And, and I do think that that is true, right? That there is this period of mourning that follows any loss mm -hmm. that we go through. And, and I think he purposefully, you know, uses the term mourning um, versus grief or, or bereavement as a way to say like, look, this is a, a period of time. It does have a start and an end point. And these are the things you need to do kind of during that time. Um, and where, I did want to yeah. ask you, um, what does the processing step look like? You know, like, is there something people can expect in, okay, I'm, I'm starting to accept and adjust and, you know, I'm putting into place um, a ritual to remember this person. But I think like, I'm even just looking at it written down after you had said it out loud, I thought, oh, well, what, what would I do in the processing stages? Does that look like going to therapy or is that just different for everybody? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be about going to therapy. I think um, it certainly could be. And you might be someone who would want to, you know, talk with another person about it. So lots of times I think um, it could look like simply I need to address um, and process like the the painful kind of thoughts and feelings that I have about this loss. So it could involve journaling. I could kind of write and, and work through those emotions. Maybe, maybe I would prefer to do like some meditation or some, um, some guided, you know, meditation and, and imagery, um, on my own. Um, you know, maybe like, I, I think, I mean, there's, there's, plenty of examples of people who have gone on like trips and journeys, mm -hmm. right. To go and process, um, their thoughts and feelings about the loss. Um, and so it really is about not avoiding the pain, mm -hmm. but sitting with it, working with it in different ways. Meaning, um, if I, if I have, some guilt and regret, how do I resolve that? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I work through that? And it, it could be that you work through it by talking with some good friends, by reading some books, um, you know, doing some kind of self-paced exercises, uh, that help with that. Um, there's lots of great resources out there for that. And maybe you feel like, okay, I'd rather go talk to someone and, and have someone kind of be able to kind of bounce this off of, you know, with them. And that's where you might then decide to go to therapy. Um, and maybe in your grief, you're experiencing a deeper pain, or maybe you have some depression or anxiety with it. And you might want to then, you mm -hmm. know, go work with someone on that. But you can definitely, I, I think there's plenty of work people can do on their own to process the pain. But it really involves, I would say, talking, writing, and reading. <laughs> that would be my, and really like just if I were the, to think like, about it. Yeah, and I guess the bigger message that I'm hearing too is the willingness to try different things to help yourself, right? And to see what works best or what feels best for you. Yes, actively engaging, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
it's like that it's actively engaging with your grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like, that's the task two where task three, where it's like adjusting, that is more of like, okay. Um, you know, my husband used to, you know, do, uh, take out the, I mean like little, right. Take out the garbage, take mm-hmm. care of the laundry, um, balance, you know, our checkbook or pay our bills monthly, right. Adjusting is it's practically kind of doing those things yourself or learning how to do them. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be a child who loses a parent. Right. And that adjustment could be a lot harder, which is, this is the person who, you know, made sure I got to school on time, did my homework, took care of my, you know, basic needs of like mm-hmm. eating, bathing, you know, uh, being clothed every day, right? That, right. That's a different level of adjustment, but there's going to be some adjustment, um, that we have to go through and that we have to work through. Most models of grief talk about acceptance, which is accepting the reality of the loss, like accepting that this happened, right. Mm-hmm. Versus sometimes I think people think about, you know, the acceptance, um, meaning like I have to, you know, accept that my life is totally different and I I don't want to accept this new role I need to take on in my family, or I don't want to accept that I have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are different levels of acceptance, but there's choice in those of taking on that role or doing these new things. But when we talk about accepting the reality of the loss, that is more of acknowledging that this happened and my life is now different Mm -hmm. and I do need to make these adjustments. So it's kind of like if we never accept the reality of the loss, it's hard to accept all the adjustments that come as a Mm -hmm. result of it, Mm -hmm. you know? When we talk about acceptance and finding peace, why do you think it could be hard for people sometimes? Like what, what comes up for you when I ask that question? You know, it goes back to some of what you've been saying too on this, this sudden realization, perhaps that life is now forever different without that person, without that job or whatever it may be that, that you've lost. I think the, the first thing is like, whoa, things are drastically different. I don't know if I'm okay with it. And I think that's probably one of the first stumbling blocks or that I think I would experience in, uh, you know, losing someone or a way of life, a certain lifestyle or something where, um, although to be fair, I've had experiences where, you know, I've kind of brushed by if something has ended and I found something else to replace it quickly, um, Mm like career-wise, for example, sometimes it takes months or in one case years for it to circle back around. And for me to realize that I never grieved the loss or mourned the loss of this thing. And now it's still like stuck in my body. Right. So, yeah. um, So I've, I've had that experience too, where someone will ask me a question about something I've done in the past. And I just start crying because I'm like, Whoa, where, (laughs) where did this come from? Uh, I think I'm getting a little off topic on your initial question, but um, no, but I, you're absolutely right when you think about that, right. In terms of like, why is it challenging? And sometimes it's challenging because 
we get distracted by other things or mm -hmm. we find things that feel good or that fill the void that fill the yeah. void yeah that's a good way to say it yeah yeah and so we don't fully grieve it or we don't fully allow ourselves i would say that's probably goes to more of like wordens like task too it's like we don't ever get to fully process it right right, right. or it just maybe feels so big and overwhelming that we ignore it until we can't any longer yeah and i i i think that acceptance is hard sometimes because of the different types of loss right like mm -hmm. i think like there's certainly probably jobs that you've either left or you know ha like have lost and sometimes they don't matter right it's like oh that was a relief or that didn't really matter so much and then there's others that do and it might matter more because of the relationships that you had or the you know some connection that you had to it so mm -hmm. like it could be um it's different kind of situationally, but I think the same thing around, you know, death in that I think that depending on someone's age, you can feel a certain way about it, depending on their diagnosis and their, and, um, and, or what they're suffering from, um, uh, it, it, it can, can be, sometimes a little bit easier to get to acceptance based on the circumstances around the the way the person died and sure. the type of loss that is experienced because we never want to see I, I mean I personally have never wanted to see anybody I love and care about suffer mm. you know through something and I feel like in those times it is we might have a harder time accepting what happened, the disease that led them into that place. But in the end, we don't want the suffering to continue. Yeah. And to your point on the, the types of loss and how it may influence our ability to accept, I'm even thinking, you know, there's, there may be an underlying uh, or an understanding that sure jobs will change. So even if it wasn't your choice, Mm. You know, as the job example, uh, maybe if it wasn't your choice for that career or job to end, there may be a part of you that that believes, oh, well, careers change, jobs change like it's, you know, and so you couldn't get maybe to acceptance quicker than if someone you love suddenly dies in a car accident or something unexpected mm. in a traumatic or unexpected way, um, again, versus someone that may have a diagnosis where there's lead time, if you will, to the the death, the impending death. Um, so yeah, I think to your point, and really a lot of the acceptance can be, or I should say the ways in which or our ability to accept loss can be highly dependent on the, on the circumstances and the type of loss for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And look, our attachment to the person who died as well, thinking about the nature of that attachment, what that looks like, that can also you know, have an effect. That's the fascinating part about grief is that there's so many different variables or factors, or I think um, Worden actually called them mediators of mourning, like that there's, there's, there's different, you know, things 
uh, that kind of come into play, whether they're about personality, whether they're about kind of social factors or attachment factors or different um, kind of things that can affect the way uh, that we grieve Mm -hmm. and the way that we're able to gain acceptance around this loss in our life. And in my own personal experience, I think in working with clients and maybe even a little bit of not so much from the loss of my dad, but with my brother, like um, kind of grappling sometimes with guilt and regret could could definitely be a big factor when it comes to kind of gaining acceptance. And I think that that comes up quite a bit uh, for people. Well, when you say regret, do you mean, is it, is it in the form of, oh, I wish I had said this to this person or like that? Mm. Is it more around what I should have done or like what, what does the regret look like in that, that situation? I think it can look a couple of different ways. So in my own experience with my brother in particular, the regret that I felt was that he, you know, he died at, he was 31. Um, I felt like there was so much more kind of life that he had to live and that I had regret around our squabbles, some Mm -hmm. of our, you know, like wasting time that I thought there was more time. Mm -hmm. And, and it really, um, it really impacted me in, in my grief process where I got really stuck on that. I got stuck on, um, feeling so much regret around maybe not showing up differently, you know, in terms of like being a sister, really looking at our teenage years and dissecting kind of different interactions and just having a lot of regret for not, um, not being as present as I could have been, you Mm -hmm. know, it's almost like if I had only known, right. And there's a fine line between regret and then guilt, you know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people grapple with like uh, the I could have done this. I should have done that. Like those types of things. And Um, I'm almost thinking that no matter how prepared you may feel for a loss, there's always probably going to be some form of guilt and regret built in just by the nature of maybe how we as humans process, (laughs) you know, losing something important to us that even if we feel we've prepared fully or done all the things or had the tough conversations before someone's passing, I think there's probably always going to be a part of us that we keep to ourselves and that may inform the, the guilt or regret that we carry forward after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the important you know, piece here in our conversation or what I want to leave people with is being more aware of what people struggle with after a loss and really having some kind of deeper understanding of what does, you know, the mourning process look like? What do people go through? Where do they get stuck? Where do they have difficulty with acceptance? I think it, it just makes us better humans, right? To be, Mm. to be more open and compassion to what someone's struggles might be. 
think lots of times when, you know, someone has a loss or something terrible has happened, we want to kind of make it better, right? Or we just want to know that they're okay <laughs> mm -hmm. um, versus being more aware that they might be struggling and maybe maybe having a conversation about the pain that they're feeling or having a conversation about the difficulty and adjusting um, could be so helpful you know, to mm -hmm. someone who's trying to find acceptance and peace with their losses. And I think that that's what I hope people can walk away from this conversation with, that greater awareness of how difficult it is to gain acceptance and find peace. Yeah. And going back to, I think that understanding that we individually, we get there differently. We find the peace in different ways and being compassionate with someone we care about who may be grieving or experiencing a loss and understanding that the way they're processing it may not be at all how, like you may even find yourself in a, in a place of judgment for a second where you say, Oh, I can't believe they're doing this to Mm. work through their grief or, you know, why are they reacting this way to it? And then stepping back to say, oh, well, this is how they're processing and, and that's their journey through the, the process and that's okay. And just, if there are other ways you can show up to support the person, if that's what you'd like to do or, or your relationship with them, that's okay too. But just understanding that they may be working through it much differently than you think they should or that you would. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that part, if we can all allow people to have all their own process, <laughs> I know I was like, wait, I think we've just landed here. Um, but I, I, I do, I feel like, gosh, if we could just, you know, sometimes take a step back and say, let, let it unfold. I know this is your journey. I know this is your path. And mm -hmm. I want you to get to a place where you have acceptance and you can find peace. And I want to be there to support you in that. And however long it takes, mm -hmm. I'm here. That, yeah, that one stands out to me. Now that you've said it, I'm like, Ooh, that's the thing. Like oh, letting someone know that no matter how long it takes, like you're still there for them. I feel like that's a really powerful message for sure. Yes, absolutely. And just put that wish out there for all the people who are grieving that they have at least one person in their life who says, I'm here no matter how long this takes. Mm. And I want you to kind of find peace. And I would just add on to that too. If, if you find yourself saying, oh, I don't know if I'd have that person, there are so many great support groups and mm. uh, resources and, and places to connect with people. Now with the wonderful world of the internet, great place to start looking for uh, support systems if you feel like you truly don't have someone that you can rely on. Absolutely. I would agree with you 100% on that and that there's, there's so many resources that are available and no one should have to feel so alone in their grief. And mm. so I think for us, that's why, you know, we have these conversations. That's why we're doing this podcast is to just start a different conversation about loss and really see that perhaps the world and, and, and people can view it in a different way. So um, I, I hope this changes at least one person's 
um, kind of mindset and thinking about loss and grief and the journey that people are on. And so thank you everyone out there for um, listening to us and just engaging in the conversation and dialogue with us. And if you have any thoughts or questions or things that you want us to talk about more or topics of interest, please don't hesitate to reach out and, and let us know how we can broaden the conversation. Yes. And if you would like to share, we, we often uh, have shared stories in the past and will continue to do so of, of those who've experienced loss and grief um, from at least 20 years ago. You can go to our website, 2020griefproject.com. Uh, where you can find a plethora of stories from people who have shared their experiences with loss and grief. And uh, we'd love to hear from you too. Thank you, Kristen. And we look forward to hearing from anyone out there who wants to share their story with us.